1: And we're back with an all-new pre-recorded episode <laughs> of Keep It. None of that live business. Hi, Kara. Hey. Hi, Lewis. Hi, Byron. Did we enjoy Bonnaroo?
2: For a festival where I would probably not go to see any of those people on purpose, I actually did have a good time. And as I said before, it was. Tennessee Williams degrees out. It was very
3: hot. It was very hot. Um, It was good for our skin, This is going to sound terrible, but anytime I'm in the South and it's that hot, all I can think is, what if I had to pick cotton right now? I think that constantly, and I'm like, this would have been, obviously, I know it was miserable, but when I'm in it, I'm like, oh my God.
1: I know. I always think, what if I had to (laughs) polish Masta's silverware (laughs) in the house? No air conditioning.
3: No air conditioning.
1: (sighs) It would be rough.
3: But um, I didn't get my shoes muddy because we missed the rain, so it was a it was a Bonnaroo miracle.
1: Yeah, there was rain on Sunday. Good luck if you're camping. I was gonna say <laughs> you didn't get your shoes dirty.
2: I looked like I lived through the movie Tremors afterwards. <laughs> just a full dust storm on everything I wore.
1: What did we all do after Bonnaroo? You were just in New York. Cara. I was just in
3: New York. It was very hot there as well, um, but it was you know back in the in the hood. WNYC
1: had you talking about. Racism?
3: Yes, on Rebecca Carroll's uh, live podcast. We um, love
1: Rebecca Carroll here.
3: We do. I talked about racism as best I could, and uh, I think I fixed it. It's I figured, done? I, fig- I figured it out.
1: It's over? Yeah. Jeff Sessions. It's Juneteenth. Vanquish
3: racism. <laughs> We're ready to go.
1: We are ready to go. Uh, we are also joined by a fantastic guest, a former co worker and now current co worker. Again, Aaron Gloria Ryan. Aaron is the host of the upcoming Crooked Podcast Hysteria.
4: Yes, I am. It
1: is dropping soon. It
4: is dropping within the next couple of weeks. Can I give the exact date? No, I can't give the exact date, but it is it it is soon. Very soon. They
1: will be harassing
4: you on Twitter. They are. They are already harassing me on Twitter. But I like it because first of all, it keeps me motivated. Second of all, it keeps me young. (laughs) So.
1: <laughs>
3: and it's all ladies, right? Like ladies, everything.
4: There's, yeah, it's all ladies, top to bottom. Uh, host, all the co-hosts are women. Producer, the people behind the scenes are women. It's edited by women. The sound, the song was written by a woman. The art. So was it'll done be by the best woman. one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, once we get past the cat fighting, it'll yeah, be... right? <laughs> no, people,
2: people on the streets surrounding the building must be
1: women that day.
4: Yeah. Right. Right. It's all women. Um, we're only allowed to talk to women on the days we record. It's very red tent, <laughs> but uh, you know, but positive.
1: Well, I guarantee there's more cat fighting on Pod Save America. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I was joking. I actually think that women, when they're put in a room, because Kara uh, and I, when we're working together at Jezebel, uh, we like. Did not fight as a staff. Like no. we sometimes would disagree on things, but we we got along so well. And whenever I've been in all female workspaces, it's been everybody gets and along.
3: And we were like efficiently blogging and doing our jobs. I
4: can't believe didn't how touch much... anyone
3: weird. Yeah, you know, no,
4: nobody metooed anybody. Yeah, we just sort of did our jobs well. <laughs> yeah, imagine that.
1: Wow, Wonder Woman is real. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna jump right into the biggest thing that happened this weekend. Yes. Jay Z and Beyonce
3: dropped an album. They
1: dropped an album, the joint album they have been teasing
3: for like a decade. For, yes,
1: <laughs> for a minute, and it's finally coming out while they're on tour together again. Europe, I'm so sorry, sweetie, that you got.
3: She always does that, didn't she do that with um, Lemonade?
1: Yeah, she is always giving them some dusty-ass old choreography and playlists <laughs> and then dropping a new album. Right
3: before her U.S. leg of the tour.
1: But also I'm not that sorry for Europe because I remember they got new songs when Mrs. Carter went there after the U.S. and all we got was Grown Woman.
3: Right, and now the trilogy is completed. Lemonade, 444, Everything is Love. Before we started recording, I was I was reminding Aaron of something I'd written while we were at Jezebel about uh, Jay-Z and Beyonce when they were on the first uh, On the run. Run tour. And there were all of these rumors about that we're fighting, about divorce. And it was like very much like, no, it's not true. And they were so lovey on stage and all of that. And it's so interesting to me, like the actual kind of moral dilemma of it aside, like the degree to which they are so careful everything is so carefully planned with them where whenever she sat down to lo- do lemonade like they knew there was going to be a four for four they knew there was going to be an everything is love like this was really conscious and like from an just a perspective of the art of it I'm not really mad at it if you're a fan I mean I am a fan but sort of the emotional thing of it when you're a fan is maybe different but I think it's like incredibly impressive that they're like okay here's this entire like we never do interviews, but here's this three album thing about our marriage, and this is all you're getting.
2: You're saying it's like a Marvel universe unto itself. Like they have their slate planned for yeah.
1: 2022, etc. But even so, it's like here's this thing about our marriage because we're not giving interviews. Yeah. But also, when you listen to it, you still don't know a shit, anything. Anything. Thing <laughs> right? About there's like attitude marriage. in it, but it, you don't learn specifics. Really, they're yeah. basically just like. Nathan Detroit and Adelaide from Guys and Dolls. <laughs> like, they're up there doing a show. You mean 03 and... Bonnie and Clyde? <laughs> Let me put it in the correct verbiage. They are up there doing a show because even when they were being lovely like on the, on the run tour, the first one, they were still like the, when she was doing the Lemonade songs, then she was doing the over performative like, I'm pissed off at you now, and Jay. I like, like, was backstage. He was just me. backstage with Blue. Right. This one is like, They're talking about the state of their marriage, and that stuff was actually the less interesting stuff on the album to me, because I was like, Lemonade was so, like, profane. It was wild, you know? It was, like, scorched earth. Four Forty Four was more like Jay Z being like, "Black capitalism is what I'm about right now." Yeah. Um, also, my Buy mom, some art. Also, my mom's gay. <laughs> right. Uh, and somehow that made me a better man. Uh, and then this album is like a muted version of Lemonade, mixed with still his obsession with art. I love the eight yeah. shit video. Yeah. But it's also like, I get it, Jay. Yeah. You love I- Picasso. You love Basquiat. You love the Louvre. He, we get he, it.
3: He also remains the least interesting part of that partnership. So just no matter what, like Beyonce is out rapping him on the set. Like she's doing his job better than him. So I never really, like when we got 444, I was like, whatever. I don't really care about Jay-Z's side of the story. Ever.
2: Also, I think something that's kind of thrilling about whenever she releases something is that she remains like one of, a couple of superstars we have who have any enigma about them whatsoever. So I would compare her kind of to like Prince in that way. When he would release something, you would glom on to like the new things you would learn about him. And I love on this album, the time she is super sarcastic, particularly on the song Nice, which is the other Pharrell collaboration. Just hearing her kind of mock what people think of her, that she's for everybody, et cetera, was, I thought, super thrilling. And also super funny. It's so fun to hear Beyonce be
1: funny. It's fun to hear her rap. Two, like, odd Ape Shit was Amigo's pen song. And, Quavo, right? Uh, yeah, I listened to the demo of it, and it sounds messy. And I have no idea mm-hmm. how she listened to this song and was like... That's it. That's <laughs> gonna be a hit. But her like her flow is better than Migos.
4: I um I particularly enjoyed the uh, half-baked half-baked reference. Yes. 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 Right. yes. Well that was...
2: she's familiar with the works of Jim Brewer. Yeah.
4: It was it, it was funny because I think the last time it was that there was a half-baked reference in pop was I think a Britney video in, um, in 20 I from go. I Wanna Go, where she starts out with the you're cool, you're cool, fuck you, I'm out. Like I love that Beyonce has been trying to tell us for
3: years that she loves brown liquor and weed. She has been, she's been saying that over and over and just reminding us again, she likes brown liquor and getting
4: high.
1: Yes. She's Uh. just like all of us.
4: (laughs) One of the things I was thinking as I was listening to the album. So we're talking about this as though it's real and we have no way of knowing whether any of this is real. All of this could just be like, maybe they're just besties and they came up with this amazing plan. It, but it also kind of doesn't matter if it's real or not. Right. Because the world they've created in the trilogy feels real enough as a listener that it doesn't matter if they're pretending or if it if it really happened. Yeah, they get it. Yeah. It's I think it's like the highest form of reality TV. It's the apex of what reality TV could have been. They made it into something that was actually art versus, you know, reality. well, it's like yeah.
1: her documentary mm-hmm. on HBO. It's just like Serena's documentary on HBO, you know? It's it's showing a depiction of their life, but one that is heavily filtered through them. You know, it's... they're they they it's not like a documentarian came in and was filming them. They were like I'm gonna take control. of Let's the set up this shot <laughs> and show right. you right. what it's... I want to show you. But that's it's like... still like raw in a way. Like it reminds me of like the Truth or Dare documentary. You know, it but feels it's not like they as, as raw as, as yeah. Truth or Dare. It's not. It, you're not ever gonna get a moment from like where she's laughing about a dancer being raped. Well, that <laughs> like, well, that Madonna, kind of ma- like Madonna did, yeah. or even the moment in this like upcoming Whitney documentary where she's like Paula Abdul is singing off key on, on the, the records record. and says she <laughs> ate shit. I'm like Beyonce's not going to just like drag somebody like that in something that she filmed herself. No, I wrote about it for GQ this week and I compared it a lot to like The Crown. You know when uh, Elizabeth gets the crown and like she gets the note from her mom and it's all about you know. Don't let the monarchy fail. Everything is about protecting the crown. And then you think about like her having to diss Margaret and shit like that because mm-hmm. it's like what we are showing the people is what they need to see. We have this divine right. And Jay Z and Beyonce feel very much like this is the black couple we need to give. They're like the apex right of black now, culture. And we can't detract from that. Yeah. We. May not even be together, but you are gonna think we are married until we die. Yeah, uh, we may love each other, but we're gonna let you know about some strife, so you know that black couples can go through it and get over it.
3: Well, I've always said too, like I've, they're never gonna get divorced because it makes more sense for them to be together than apart in every possible way. It makes they make more sense for both of them together and like it's just like at this point it is so much this like idea of like what aaron was talking about of truth and fiction and like business but then the personal and the way it all the degree to which all of it's involved, and the you know the I have no idea, but like they are black
4: culture right now, and mm-hmm. they really seem to recognize. I think that. they're American culture right now because I think all three of us have digital footprints or footprints or places we're, we're public in a way because mm-hmm. you know this podcast or other things that we've done with our work, and there's a feeling that that I have. That's like, what if, what about me? Am I willing to have be public, and what needs to be private? And do those two things ever cross? And and wh- where where does the public me end and the private me begin? And I'd imagine that somebody like Beyonce and Jay-Z, are the most public people possible. And so they have to make it in a place that's the most high stakes. Like, what do we decide as public? What do we decide as private? And those questions, I think, are more universal than some of the, the stuff that they actually sing and rap about. The public and private self is a, a question, I think, of our time.
2: I want to add to what you said about The Crown, too. I mean, like, if you read about what the album means, just in reviews, etc. You might mistake them for being austere or kind of just, sort of as Aaron just implied, like spending a lot of time deciding what's going to be public and what's going to be private, and that and that might come across as chilly. But the music is not chilly. I mean, you you get something new and find something new whenever you listen no, to it. it's laid back and yeah.
1: lush, and I appreciate the like blueprint sounding mm-hmm. production without Kanye's involvement.
3: Yeah, and you know the last thing I will say is. On the album, Jay-Z says, a li- I don't remember the line exactly, but it was about, like, fuck you in your cornrows or something. like." Basically, you're talking about, like, white people wearing cornrows. Yes. And then Kim Kardashian's dumbass, first thing <laughs> the next day, comes out there in cornrows. Every time Beyonce breeds and actually does something and marks an achievement, and she either has to get naked or piss off black people to get any attention.
1: The other thing I'll say about her braids is Joreen St. Felix had a hilarious tweet where she was like, Kim, the braids actually look cute, but I'm tired of you pretending that your white hairdresser is the one who does them (laughs) because he has a black assistant who is the one who we know actually does these braids. So (laughs) stop taking photos with, like, acknowledge the black woman who did your hair, and maybe we (laughs) might like you. Your appetite suppressant selling half. I'm so tired of her. Anyway, lastly, where do we think they go? from this. Mars. I mean, <laughs> they're done here. You know?
3: I mean, I think it's where does Beyonce go? I think, like, yeah. she has she has...
1: She maintained herself, even on this album that feels so steeped in Jay-Z's, the exhausting parts of Jay-Z, you still feel Beyonce.
3: Yeah, I love Jay-Z's music and mm. so it's been like disappointing the last couple of times. We were like, oh, this isn't this isn't the blueprint but the blueprint is a masterpiece so that's mm-hmm. fine. Um, and they're at different points in their careers. She's like a decade younger than him. So I'm kind of like, thank you Jay-Z for the work that you've given us that you've done in tangent with your wife. I'll see um, and this na- on the run yeah, tour. Yeah, I'll see the tour. Um, and then you and can then, stay home. And then Beyonce, please release another album.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Keep It is brought to you by Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. If you're really good at it, that is. I've actually met several really good friends through Hinge. I've used it, I can't believe this, over a decade now. Woof! what a life I've had. Well, you know what they've added within a decade of us being on Hinge is their new LGBTQIA plus prompts, which are designed to help queer daters better connect based on similarities, interests, and compatibility. Hinge Prompts helps you show
2: off your full personality and connect with someone who appreciates you. Plus, these prompts were created in collaboration with GLAD, so they are by the people, for the people. Some of the prompts are, the first time I knew I was gay was, mmm, I was literally in the act of being gay, like hooking up with somebody, when I admitted it. <laughs> Denial is strong and hard in the Catholic Midwest.
1: Mine was Tom Cruise's Vanity Fair cover, the shirtless one. You just turned to an imaginary camera and said, I'm gay. Yeah. Or broke the fourth wall.
2: (laughs) You're like (laughs) Fleabag. Other prompts include, I feel proudest of who I am when. It feels affirming when others blank. I connect to my community by. I wish I could tell the younger version of myself. I'm going to say whenever I watch that in a drag race semifinal, when they're like, if I could talk to my younger self, I would say, I would be like, girl, get tighter clothes. I mean, what's going on with what you're wearing? You look like you're in the X Games. Other prompts (laughs) include, my chosen family is the best at, and gender euphoria looks like. Download Hinge and show off your full self using their LGBTQIA
1: plus prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. Keep It is brought to you by Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop. The early
2: 2000s was a wild time for reality TV. I was there. I remember. There seemed to be an endless supply of shows that delivered entertainment for us, but trauma for children like Dance Moms, the infamous Lifetime Network show where the studio owner screamed at children and their moms over several seasons. On each episode of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop, comedians join host Misha Brown to chronicle one of the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this
1: was a good idea? Mm, they recently looked behind the scenes of what was really going on at Abby Lee Miller's dance studio. Well, we know that someone created the beast known as Jojo Siwa. <laughs> you think we see the, the, the lab workings that created Jojo Siwa? <laughs> yeah. One pigtail, two pigtails. Uh, and Chemical X. (laughs) (laughs) Abby's biggest misstep actually wasn't screaming nonsensical catchphrases or throwing chairs on television, but instead she was choreographing financial fraud in plain sight. Well, follow The Big Flop wherever you get your podcasts. On Thursday, in a Medium post, actress Chloe Dykstra alleged that her ex-boyfriend, host of Talking Dead, founder of Nerdist, and too many damn projects, to be honest. Chris Hardwick emotionally and physically abused her over the course of their relationship, sexually assaulting her, tried to you know, control her career, and also blacklisted her when she broke up with him. Uh, Nerdist immediately started distancing themselves from him. AMC was like, the talk show was suspended. NBC said they're gonna investigate the fate of his game show The Wall, and he has, of course, denied the claim. (sighs) I would like us to jump into that discussion, but also, Quentin Tarantino decided that he wanted to cast Emile Hirsch in his fucking Sharon Tate movie. Uh, Emile Hirsch, who, who... pled guilty to attacking a female studio executive.
3: The fact that that was news to me, I mean, granted, I don't give a shit about Emil Hirsch, so there's that, but the fact that I somehow missed that he full-on assaulted someone and then had to, like, take a plea deal or so, like, you know, was charged with this crime. And did it and p- in I, public. And I had no idea is just, like,
4: my God. Yeah, I have, like, I've got a one-in-one-out with with these me too stories now cuz there's so many my yeah. brain is completely full and it, I'll be reminded of it and the Tarantino story actually reminded me of first of all this this man is on strike 20 you know he's <laughs> he's on, he's had so many strikes against him uh he ignored when he was dating Mira Servino, he ignored her story of being assaulted by um, Harvey Weinstein and we literally <laughs>
1: found out he tried to kill Uma Thurman
4: Yeah he like and she's mad about it then then after then he tried to do some kind of image rehab last October that was one of the most ridiculous things. I think I read it and I just blacked out for a second and forgot (laughs) it. He was like, I knew a lot of stuff. I should have said more. And that was like his public apology. (laughs) It's like, I should have done more stuff. And now he's like, what? Dude, fuck you. (laughs) You're, You're canceled. Quentin Tarantino is canceled. And the thing is, the thing that sucks is that every time a man like this, Chris Hardwick, Tarantino, anybody, anytime any of them does something fucked up, and ends up losing a job, losing a project, there are a million people below them who were working and earned money and needed the money and needed the job that are now out of a job because this guy can't keep his fucking shit together. And I'm not talking about people that are like high-paid actors and actresses. I'm talking about PAs and APs and writer's assistants and people who work in craft services and people who need any job that they can get. And it's not like a thing that you can choose as mm -hmm. you're getting into the industry. You can't be like, I don't feel like working with Chris Hardwick. I heard some rumors. If you take what job you can get. Right, it's
1: like what I was pissed at like a Laurie Metcalf or John Goodman for being in Roseanne. But it's like, if you're joining Hollywood and it's the first job that comes across your desk, you're right. just like, you take this Roseanne reboot, you're going to be able to pay your bills. Right. Well, you can't be mad at that person. And now they're out of a job because it's some racist, and now these people are out of jobs because these men are trash.
3: And then they just immediately get new jobs because other white men just give them jobs again. So those people lost their jobs, but the the most frustrating thing is you know these dudes are going to be fucking fine. Yeah, like You know that ultimately someone is going to cast them. Another abuser, probably, is going to be like, is just going to put them in another movie, and then they're going to be sitting at the Oscars, and, and no one's going to care anymore. Someone
1: is already giving an interview saying, um hasn't Chris Hardwick been through enough we need to give him a second chance <laughs> well
2: it's also just as Aaron said like i think we all have that one in one out policy with these like stories that keep piling up and that's in a way what i think those people rely on to get jobs again is just oh we forgot that for 2 seconds so we forgot to keep canceling you which is by the way an active
1: process you have to keep canceling people you can't yeah. just cancel them once i forgot if- i knew that i actively remember the fact that Emil Hirsch did assault someone at Sundance in public. But I'd forgotten about it, and I certainly forgot that he pled guilty to it. You know Casey Affleck's going to be in a movie again soon. Sorry. You know what I mean? Like, you know that that
2: opportunity's going to happen for him.
4: I just don't understand why these people that we insist on... Ge- the people that are most insistent on having other chances seem like the most replaceable people in world. Right. Life. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's like, Chris Hardwick, wow. He looks like a composite sketch of every possible genetic outcome for Ryan Seacrest, Chris, Ryan Seacrest's sperm. Like, you
1: just... <laughs> this is
4: what any boy that Ryan Seacrest could have. Who somehow I didn't had even, like,
1: 20 shows on I didn't TV. even know who
4: she, he
3: was. Yeah. This was literally the first i was hearing of this man was was these allegations
4: i've no idea who this person is yeah i just i don't understand why you know this this happened with charlie rose too where charlie rose is out there schlepping around trying to get work it's like i can think of some people who some men who make art that if their careers would be felled by abuse allegations, I'd be like, God fucking damn it. This person made incredible art. Nobody did anything like what they were doing. I am so mad that now this asterisk exists alongside of what they've done. Right, Chris, Chris Hardwick- Pine. Yeah,
1: right. <laughs> Chris Pine. <laughs> if, if I never got to see that beautiful man in a movie again, <laughs> I would be distraught.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a few like comedians that I feel like that about, that if I found out something really awful about, like, I don't know, Patton Oswald or something, I'd be like, fuck.
3: Yeah, I feel that way with um, Sherman Alexie because he is probably the writer who had the most influence on my writing like I had read him when I was in school he came to my school when I was young because I grew up in Seattle and like I thought his memoir last year was one of the best things I've ever read in my entire life and I was like Fuck, serious. Like that was like this guy and someone who's actually talented. Mm-hmm. were like the even not that I am saying he should be redeemed or second chances of any of that, but those conversations at least make a little sense to have them when you're talking about someone who legitimately and not in the Donald Glover way is a genius. But these other dudes, like Casey Affleck, like it, it's just nepotism.
4: That's why you're here. I don't know. Did you see the movie where he wore a sheet the whole time? <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty... I mean, I would have gotten itchy. I would have... Right. And he just didn't itch.
1: Well, you're not a method actor. Yeah, it shows. <laughs> yeah. I actually heard that movie was good, but it I did good. not go see it because I was like, Casey Affleck in this. No one told me that he wore a fucking sheet the whole time. Oh, there's I was going be like,
4: oh, I don't have to look at him? There's okay. an incredible extended pie-eating scene in that movie. Where there a woman- sheet? No, no, oh. no. There's uh, where it's uh, the, the female co-star of the movie, name escaping me at the moment, but she sits and eats a pie in grief.
1: Oh, that's Rooney Mara, right? Yeah, Rooney yes. Mara mm-hmm. eats a she eats A, a pie whole
4: pie? For a long time.
1: Love the band Rooney.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good movie, but yeah, he's in it unfortunately.
2: Yeah. I just want to add quickly about what Chloe Dykstra wrote that I don't want to call it impressive, but the amount of layers she went through about like, and not only did he like attempt to ruin her career, not only was the relationship abusive, but just she seemed to be unpacking a lot of things she hadn't brought herself to realize. And it was like harrowing to read that, like the trickery of it.
4: I think that that has happened to a lot of women though, in a lot of different relationships. I suspect that a lot of the pushback, any of the pushback that we see about the Hardwick stuff is going to, be for men who might have done something similar to women and don't want to have uh themselves uh they don't want to have their own spots blown out. That's the Always. thing with all of this.
3: What these what people are not realizing is you are all telling on yourselves. You were saying when you're out here immediately defending abusers, all I think is like, what have you done? It makes you look guilty because when your first response is to defend that person, that's the first thing you think of like, well, well let's think about it or whatever, as opposed to just listening to the victim and talking about the issues at hand, I'm like, you are telling me that you either probably have done something like this or at the very least have absolutely no problem with what's happening.
4: Right. One thing that I will say about the sort of confessional version of, of, I guess, this sort of a Me Too story is that I always appreciate when women are willing to put themselves out there like this. I sometimes worry that... A bad actor, not that I disbelieve Chloe Dexter at all, but I I mean a person acting in bad faith, could choose to utilize the kind of low bar to entry Mm -hmm. into the public sphere to do something that was deliberately destructive for somebody. And when that happens, you know, it's sort of like back in last fall, Project Veritas tried to make the Washington Post fall for fake rumors of sexual abuse Mm -hmm. and misconduct. And so I think on one hand, of course, I believe women who come forward with stories like this, but I also think that this demonstrates the importance of like journalistic rigor when it comes to these stories. It's really good to tell your own story, but it's also good to get a journalist involved if you're somebody who is, especially if you're taking on somebody really powerful, because even if you're telling the truth, if there's a of doubt, that person can crush you.
3: Which is what we talked about a lot during with the babe.net Aziz story, which is like the most egregious example, I think, thus far of of all of that. But like, because I think the first reaction you write is like, this is so brave, this is so harrowing. I'm so glad that like you, you know, felt like you could tell this story right now. But it's just so shitty that you have to have so much Support, you know, like second party support. Yes. Yes.
1: Also, even when people are, you know, floating the insinuation that some of the allegations might not be true, it's like what actress is really trying to come out here and fake any sort of allegations? You know, it's like from what we've seen, no one has gotten. Anything from it yet? Mm-hmm. You know, even like the Harvey Weinstein women, like even like Ashley Judd, and them. Like she's not on the screen right now; mm-hmm. she's not booked and busy.
4: Right. I mean, you just you constantly have that in the back of you know when people talk about you, that's part of that's the it, that's within the kind of the architecture of your career. That's just mm-hmm. something that's now built in, and it's something that you know you can either work around or not work around, but it's always going to be there.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, you know, who is bizarrely defending Chris Hardwick right now is his mother-in-law. Patty Hearst,
4: who oh, is the... Oh, I
1: forgot about that shit. Yes. Well, there's no
4: way she could ever be brainwashed. <laughs> no, right, right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's like, bitch, you are like one of Stefano DiMera's victims, all right? Like, you could turn into a killer or something at the drop of a hat. No one wants to hear anything you have to say, Patty Hearst. Also,
2: again, like, why would a mother-in-law be privy to stories between like a man and his like girlfriend. I just I I hate that whole world of defending randomly because you know somebody and they were nice to you. I hate that.
4: Sometimes the best thing to do is just do nothing. Right. I think that a lot of us, a lot of people who in any way intersect with entertainment have at one point worked with somebody who's faced accusations and there's really no way to know what happened between two people even if you really like somebody. Defending them is not going to help you at all. At all, and and it's just—it's a know. weird urge. It's a, the word weird... like
3: he was nice to me, and I feel like I had said I don't remember the conversation I was having with someone once, but we were again back to slavery. But I'm like, I'm sure there Love was a slavery. real friendly slave owner. I'm sure there was a dude who was really friendly to the people in his life. I was like, that sounds Thomas ridiculous. Jefferson though
1: gave his slaves quarter water,
3: <laughs> but it's like that sounds ridiculous, <laughs> and it is ridiculous. And then when I think of like this woman is saying he raped her, but he was a nice guy. I'm like, this all sounds ridiculous. Yeah,
4: I mean it's like when they do interviews with the neighbors of serial killers and they're like, "Well, he seemed real quiet." Quiet? Well, what the fuck? If he didn't seem real quiet, he wouldn't have gotten away with serial killing. Right. Like yeah. the way that people Pass through the world with impunity. Who are behind the scenes acting like fucking monsters? Is that they don't act like monsters when they're in public? (laughs) That's the only way you get away with it. If you know Chris Hardwick had gone around like muttering, "Gonna do some rapes or whatever," like if if he were, you know, any anybody who's been exposed by the Me Too moment, if they were people that represented themselves as abusers, they wouldn't have been able to continue abusing people. And that's the fucking bitch of it. It sucks, but it's true.
1: And people who are connected with them, you know, you just you gotta cut them off. You know, it's not it's not that hard to do. Do you, you know? think they
4: I don't know if I don't th- I maybe disagree. I don't know if I would cut somebody off. I would maybe try cuz I don't think anybody's totally hopeless. Mm. So if I were on friendly terms with them, I would try to figure out what went wrong and how in how to help them not be shitty. That would mm. that would be what I would do. I get that. I mean,
1: I'm just thinking from personal experience. I'd you know? uh,
3: refer them to a good therapist mm. and take some t- I think also for me it's like no one is taking any time. This is why I don't believe. This is why I don't believe anyone who is. A, I don't believe these bullshit apologies because you haven't sat with it enough. I'm like, have you done work? Have you gone to therapy? Have you talked to these women? Have you really? Which again, I and I don't want to keep like praising this, but I do think the only good apology I've heard was Dan Harmon's, from someone who so- who sounded like he had really like spent some
4: time with this. I think his apology sounded like he'd thought about what the best apology would be. And he's a very brilliant writer and I think he wrote a brilliant apology, but I don't know if you meant it. Well, okay, but...
1: (laughs) Dan Harmon slapped me yesterday. He did not mean it. But I
3: I think that you don't, no one has gone away for long enough where I believe that you've Take, I mean, my God, can it, can you at least take six months? Like, it's like these dudes, they wait like six weeks and then they're back again. It's like, if you actually came back after a year Mm -hmm. and were like, I have, I've been in therapy, I've been talking to people, I've talked to other women in my life, I've really felt like I've done the work to understand what happened here. It's Mm -hmm. like, and I, and I am never going to do that ever. I'm going to, to the best of my abilities, I'm never going to do that again. Right. Then... Maybe we can get somewhere. Well,
4: I think a model of that in the public sphere is something that would be helpful to a lot of men who are privately awful. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it'd be good to have maybe one guy who did the work, like you were saying, Kara, Mm -hmm. did the work. Learned his lesson, made amends with the people that he hurt, and has made it part of his career to demonstrate that it's possible to not do that anymore.
1: Good luck. Uh, yeah, I mean, Matt Lauer <laughs> is still creeping around NBC videos oh like Frollo. Talk
4: <laughs> about the most replaceable human on earth. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, a throw pillow could replace him, a throw pillow with a boom mic. Just. <laughs> Situated over it next to a a breakfast pizza.
1: (laughs) Tucker Carlson's bow tie could replace him.
2: Oh, God, don't even bring up him right now in the rumor that he's sleeping with my girl, Julie Bowen. Allegedly. I know, we heard that online last night. I can't handle it. What? I truly love her. So if if that's the case, Julie... There's some white tears are going to be shed over
1: here. Let it be known that it was the white gay throwing out tea on this show. That was
2: the rumor. It's, I did not come up with it. It's all a legend. I got
1: nothing to say. My mouth shut. I don't even know what modern family is. Who? What? (laughs) Huh? Uh, Is is that the show with with, with who's it with? I don't
3: know. What? Mm,
2: Yeah. Evan and Costello over here with (laughs) their bits.
3: (laughs)
1: We thought we were done talking about Me Too, bitch. <laughs> you were a fool. <laughs> On April 26th, RB singer Khalees accused her ex-husband, Nas, of mental and f- physical abuse during the course of their five-year marriage, which ended in 2010. She basically just gave a random interview where she said, I've edited myself for nine years, and I woke up this morning, and I said, not today. So, and... No one, I mean, Billboard and maybe one other place wrote about NASA's abuse allegations when the album came out, but everyone else has been pretty much ignoring them.
3: They're just listening to the album.
1: Yeah. Listening to the album. I ain't listening to that shit.
3: Right. Don't you people know what canceling is?
1: And by the you way- can't
3: cancel Kanye and then be like, "I'm just gonna let me just put on this Nas album." And you and Nas should have been canceled also. Like, I don't know what you Just a a mean tweet isn't canceling someone. It is st- like not supporting them monetarily. Abusers with their careers. Your fucking Spotify plays Nas just got his point five cents from that, guys.
1: I haven't even listened to a Nas album since those Christmas jingles on hip hop is dead anyway. So it was not a stretch to not press play on Nasir.
4: Oh man, confession: uh, a Nas album that was him with the National Symphony Orchestra, which is extremely my shit. It's like the weirdest Venn diagram ever, and that's me: Symphony plus Nas, me. Uh, he did the entire Ilmatic album with like a live symphonic accompaniment, and I just had I had to listen. And New York State of Mind is pretty good, but that's a Last I've listened to.
3: I'm sure that was cool. It was super cool. Yeah, and you didn't know that he maybe used to beat Khalise. Nope. I didn't know. So that. that probably made
4: it sound much better. Pre-Chale. I, <laughs> I, <do, laughs> I do like music without like a woman beating undertone. I yeah. think that like removing that helps me enjoy. That using helps work.
3: enjoy the melody yeah. a
4: little
2: That's bit. That's why
1: more. I listen to Josh Gropin. <laughs> but by the way, in <laughs> what exclusively. You, in <laughs> what way don't
2: we ignore Khalise? I mean her career, I would describe her uh discography as a Flawless. I mean, truly, I love her albums, going back to the first one's Kaleidoscope, right? I just think she's so underrated in every way and so underrewarded. Also, she's such an interesting voice, and also she made that food album, exactly, and also real food. She
1: makes arepas, and they are fucking good. I I went to this pop up shop in L. A. one weekend, and the food was bomb. And I was like, Kalees, I love the food. I love. The music. And she talked about wanting to open up a restaurant in L.A., which has not opened yet. Uh. Khalees, if you need the money, I don't have it. <laughs> but I will send out a tweet to ask who well, does have it. What
3: you all need to do is go eat at Khalees's restaurant and not listen to Nas's album. Stream that Khalees's, would be canceling Stream him. <laughs>
1: Khalees's music to give her some coins so she can open this restaurant.
3: I don't know. I mean, it's it, it really just gets down to like... You know, it was – I have a problem when I hear Kanye's voice now, even when, like, on my iTunes. So it's like he's not getting paid from this. I've already bought the music. It is hard for me to hear his voice because I literally just hear slavery was a choice. And I think about you denigrating my maga, ancestors. Maga, maga. Right, exactly. I can't, I, can't do I can't It's hard to either. just hear his voice. And, like, R. Kelly, it's sickening. To, you know, like, you hear his voice. It's like, I feel unwell. I don't understand – so the – I mean, you're allowed to have the reaction to it that you want, but like this canceling thing and then just continuing to listen to the music is very odd to me. And I'm like, I don't think anyone, I don't think you had a problem with it. I think you just felt like everyone else was like, this is a bad thing and I'm going to say this is a bad thing and then I'm going to keep doing exactly
4: what I was doing before. I mean, to build on what Lewis was saying about the careers that are sidelined in the service of these men's careers are things that are, I think the real tragedy of the Me Too movement, like, because we'll never know. We'll never know what Khalees could have done. Uh, It had her life, had her personal life, had her... Her self worth been decimated by Nas. Like we don't know what she could have done, and that that fucking sucks. Like yeah. I kind of wish that somebody would option her life story and write an incredible like eight episode miniseries just about the like st- like the struggles and strength of somebody like her. Her wanting to open a restaurant that is like the sweetest, most pure thing. That I've ever heard, and
2: completely unusual for like a showbiz arc. You know, she's yeah. like this serious R and B artist who's like also this other half of my brain exists, and yeah. I would like to do this. You know,
4: I, I love that. I love that. I want her to to succeed. I want her to blossom and move past this.
1: Also, Nas has not denied the allegations, mm. but what he has done is respond to fans of his on Instagram with oh, you know with what? emojis like one hundred and writing applause to people who were defending him and oh, his conduct. And by the way, the people that were talking to him were,
2: were like... Misrepresenting what Khalees said and saying it was part of like a feminist agenda, etc. Just like bizarre bullshit. Okay,
4: first of all, the feminist agenda is to just remove all the men from the earth, yeah. That's like right. like Thanos style. Mm-hmm. We're just gonna they get all get them out all of the... disappear. Yeah, but it has nothing Pixley. to do with the cu- I mean, why do we need to accuse them of things before we pixelate them? <laughs> right. yeah. There's no reason. It makes no sense. <laughs> I just the, it was the combo for me
3: of because I actually I might have listen to the album to be able to say bad things about it if that's what I wanted to do. Um, but even the but Kanye factor the Kanye factor, is, the Kanye factor I was like I can't I can't like, even
1: listen to the Kid Cudi album and I love oh, Kid hell Cudi. No. Hell
3: no. I don't even love Kid Cudi but How to I, Make It
1: in America it, is an unsung classic. It just
3: like the Kanye factor for me is just like I cannot I cannot do it.
1: I even hear him on features on the radio. He, I've asked yeah. Uber drivers to change the station.
3: I had to switch when Party came on. I was like, "Where's the Andre 3000 version so I can listen to this? I can bop to this song right now." But instead, Kanye's voice came on.
2: Ugh. And by the way, where is Estelle? I want her to have an, a second wind, also.
3: I never liked Estelle though.
2: <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, no. th- uh, not Not American Boy is another song in that album. Wait a minute, is that what it's called? I would give that a second. Don't nobody know that damn song, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Okay>. Aaron. <laughs> yes thank you so much for thanks for having me this
4: was so fun guys
1: Hysteria is available now for you to subscribe to on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts and it's dropping soon
4: yes can't wait. I can't wait either it's gonna be really great
1: And we're back with our favorite segment of the week. It's Keep It. Lewis, what are you keeping this week?
2: Uh, Keep it to the concept of Gordon Ramsay, who still dominates culinary television a certain way. He has a new show called 24 Hours to Hell and Back. Has any concept aged more poorly than toxic man yells at you at the workplace and you're supposed to just learn from it? I'm just so sick of the idea that, like, it's somehow entertaining or, like, you know, enriching to watch something like that. He weirdly comes out of the Simon Cowell branch of television, but here's the difference Simon Cowell was, like, damning. Well, okay. And in his (laughs) Henleys, yes. He was damning and also not yelling at people. Whereas this is just somebody who's making you feel horrible for, like, minor infractions in the workplace. I just think it's the weirdest empire to have based on. Like, like kind of the sickest thing. He's an
1: unattractive Tabitha. You know, he kind of... Yeah.
3: Tabitha! Oh. I
1: know. I like what she yelled at people. Fix your salon. (laughs) 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 Also, she only got, like,
2: one season of that or two seasons of that. Really stupid.
3: No, and then it came back as, like, a... So, no. First, it was salons, and then she came back, and she was just now qualified to fix any business (laughs) where it was, like, restaurants and, like, coffee shops, and she was just able to...
2: (laughs) Tabitha
1: fixed local government. Yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, She actually has a new... Yeah, no, sorry. Yeah, it's relative success.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> that one. Um... <laughs> also, Gordon Ramsay looks like he should be Niall Horan's dad. It's really scary. Anyway, and he's not, so he's canceled. Can he even cook? <laughs> I'm going to go with
1: yes, but... I have
3: eaten at a Gordon Ramsay restaurant. It was good. So, take take that as you can. <laughs>
1: I mean, he probably got to where he is because he yeah, can't he cook, can't. you know.
3: But I also wasn't being yelled at when I ate my food. That's Where's true. I just, I just Bam! Yeah.
2: <laughs> I miss him. I'm team Padma Lakshmi forever, though. That's how hosts on reality shows like that should be like, I really didn't like it. <laughs> you know, just like, languor is more damning than screaming to me.
1: We love Padma. She has become a gay Twitter icon. Yes. Very quickly. And Jennifer Garner is shook. Kara, <laughs> what are you keeping this week?
3: I'm saying keep it to Jadena, the the man who dresses like Calvin Candy from Django Unchained. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I don't even want to get too far into it because I'm so exhausted. But that rapper, XX Tentation?
1: Ten, ca- ca- tent,
3: yes. He, the triple
1: X that's not a Vin yeah. Diesel movie. Yes.
3: He was shot and killed this week. And I'm not saying anything. I'm not even getting into that. What I'm going to say is Jadena felt the need to tweet... Um, basically saying that it was like a tragedy and he, this man, this rapper who had beaten his pregnant girlfriend and a gay man who hit on him, beaten them, has like 15 felonies against him. Um, and he, Jadenna tweeted something like, you know, if Malcolm X had died when he was 20, he would have died like an abuser and a thief and whatever. Have you lost your fucking mind? Malcolm X... Malcolm X, just because they have X's in their names, that doesn't mean you need to compare them. And then he was like, just so you know, I wasn't comparing them to Malcolm X. Sure, sounds like you were, because you, you it sounds like you were comparing him to Malcolm X. And I don't even, just in no situation, there is not a rapper alive any of us should be comparing to Malcolm X. Just use that as the baseline. Let's just go with any living human. Let's just not compare them to Malcolm X, and you'll be fine. It's fine to just say nothing. It's fine to keep your mouth shut.
1: It's fine not to tweet someone who's never even read Malcolm X, this triple X person. Like I <laughs> guarantee <laughs> if you asked him who Malcolm X is, he thinks it's Denzel Washington. <laughs> uh, but Jadena is out. Jadetta wasn't the only person who lost his own goddamn mind. I know. Uh, like Michaela Cole was <sighs> tweeting out her favorite triple X songs. Like I thought you were smarter than that. It's Turns also, out she's just a good actress. It's
2: also a weird fallacy of logic. Like you could be like, John Wilkes Booth could have been a great suffragette, you know, if he had just been around forty more years. It's like, I mean, I guess. You know, I don't think about that possibility really. But. It's
3: fine to just say
1: nothing. Like you said. It's fine.
3: That nigga not went to Stanford. It, it's just... He it's, is smart. And I don't think he's probably... He's probably not not smart. It's just one of those moments where you're talking too quick too quick after it's happened. You're not thinking things through. You're just like firing off these tweets. And because you're famous, they're going to get amplified. And the easiest thing to do... Why don't you just text that to someone, my man? You could have just texted that to one of your friends and it would have been fine. Not it's, Kanye
1: there because he would have posted it. Right. <laughs>
3: It's fine to say nothing.
1: It's also just, you could have just
2: said, he could have turned his life around. That's all you needed to say. You didn't need to say, well, you know who he could have been. It's,
3: Legend. It's fine Ciao. to say the
1: ghetto. nothing.
3: <laughs> it's fine to say nothing.
1: My keep it <laughs> is to Laura Ingraham. That Captain Planet villain (laughs) who
2: once again... Also, I love that Captain Planet villain, so let's not even say (laughs) that, but go on.
1: Did this have a just not lose advertisers on her show for coming for David Hogg, Parkland school shooting survivor? Now, she was on her Fox News program last night calling the Migrant Child Detention Center's summer camp no summer camp no no first of all bitch send your kids there if it's a summer (laughs) camp two david hogg is like are we gonna get her advertisers again you just (laughs) lost advertisers who the fuck is left how evil snapple who is is it (laughs) she is so dumb <laughs> I mean, she's like that, like that IKEA woman who works in the Trump administration who was out there lying on the podium. Just... <laughs> oh yeah, it's her. These blonde women in Trump's orbit are so evil. And you had the and Ann Coulter so people too. Yeah. Dumb <laughs> and so exhausting, so tiring. And a side keep it is to the people who keep creating these monsters because everybody on Twitter keeps retweeting that Kent University gun outlet mall oh, that Tommy oh dry hair the girl yes. with the dry hair that girl with the dry hair and the dry Chick-fil-A <laughs> um chomping on it taking pictures being like fuck pride fuck her and fuck you all for retweeting her because that's all she wants she wants Tommy Larry's job She's literally running down the stairs behind her like she's in Showgirls. <laughs> By the way, Tommy Lahren was
2: like cable access, not kidding, two and a half years ago or something. Her ascent is just the fucking
1: worst. Thank you. Yeah, because Trevor Thank Noah. Thank you, Trevor Noah. Trevor Thank Noah Trevor you, Trevor put her Noah.
3: Thank you, Trevor Noah.
1: Trevor Noah and Charlemagne. Both of them. Fuck both, both of them. Both
3: of them for that.
1: Fuck out of here.
3: There's a lot of making up to do for that.
1: Laura Ingraham looking like a short circuited Stepford wife. I'm done. <laughs> It's possible her name is actually Laura
2: Ingram. I can't be bothered to check that, though.
1: I don't give a fuck. Thank you. That's been our show. We'll see you next week. So this week after the news that actress Heather Locklear was hospitalized after threatening to shoot herself, I wanted to take a brief moment to talk about Heather, Anthony Bourdain, Kate Spade, and other celebrities who have been going through a rough time lately. You know, when I think of Heather Locklear, I think of like the bad bitches she played on TV, Sammy Jo Carrington, Amanda Woodward, but it's Easy to forget that there's a human underneath. Luckily, Heather still has her life, but if you are a person who is being affected by these news stories, I know that we don't really talk about these on the show because we try to keep it fun, but know that there are places where you can get help. There's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which is 1-800-273-8255. I also just want to say, you know, I think people are in denial in a certain
2: way that celebrities are important, that we like them, that we root for them. So when we have someone like Heather Locklear, who uh, I, first of all, when I heard the news about her, I immediately thought of Ira, who's like the uh, Melrose Place dynasty stan of all time. But secondly, it's just, it does affect you. It's like a horrible feeling to, even, you know, uh, when I was in high school, I was an obsessive Sinead O'Connor fan. And she's had a couple of moments over the years where she like Facebooked, you know, what seemed like self-destruction at the time that felt so horrifying to see as somebody who got so much great art directly from her pain and helped so many people. And I think it's a weird thing to kind of discuss how celebrities actually, their livelihoods do affect us, and we do want the best for them. And it's not it's not a shame to voice that. It's not a shame to say, like, I really feel for these people.
1: Like Owen Wilson, you know, what happened totally. to him too. Um, and luckily he survived. It's just important to remember that celebrities are people too. And... Most importantly, they're very famous people who we put a lot of expectations on, and a lot of times they feel like it's hard to get help or admit that something's wrong when it seems like they have a perfect life. And that doesn't just apply to celebrities. It applies to a lot of the people in your life. So, you know, reach out to people and take care of yourselves.